It's a spooky night. Shit comes on heavy. Lock up your kids, lock up your wife. Don't buy up your wife. Make sure <laughs> nobody. <laughs> like, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm like, where I'm are you really- going with it? I was trying to figure it out. Oh my gosh. Welcome, welcome everybody to Shit Black Girls Watch with the phenomenal and amazing host. <laughs> Yours truly, Nia Danae, along with my amazing best friend, Trish. Okay, that's where we're going? Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's the Halloween episode. Let me get my shit off. Yes, this is the Halloween episode. And before we get into that, we just want to say thank you so much, you guys, for listening to the podcast. As um, Trish previously stated to all of our three or four listeners, well, I'm happy to say our first episode, we had 30 listeners. And um, I'm really hyped about that. (laughs) You should be, you should be, man, because that's definitely more than I anticipated. Right? not gonna lie and so we're only going up from here so thank you so much for tuning in make sure you guys continue to listen on apple spotify anchor or any other podcast apps that you are tapped into also make sure you guys leave a review because you know them five stars hit better than anything else leave a comment leave a review it is really appreciated all right so let's get into our first segment of this show as usual, we start the show off with our black unicorn. I'm so excited for this black unicorn. I consider him a black knight, but I will let you <laughs> go ahead and <laughs> talk about who it is. All right. Yeah, man. I'm super excited about this black unicorn. Uh, Jordan Peele has become one of my favorite. If you didn't guess, it's Jordan Peele. That's a black unicorn. But he's become one of my favorite um, screenwriters. And it's interesting because the movie everyone knows him for, Get Out, from 2017, was actually his second feature script. Um, oh. So I thought that was pretty, yeah, I know. What was the and, first one? Educate us. Um, well, I don't have that information, but that's definitely Google it. <laughs> but because I was like, the first one was so like obscure. I was like, I'm not even gonna remember that shit. But I, I remember thinking like, damn, that was only his second? That was, shit was a masterpiece. I wonder if that one was a psychological thriller as well. Yeah, so I just looked it up. It was actually Keanu in 2016. That was the that first damn one. cat movie was his first movie. Girl, look, <laughs> he only went, he only I went am up so from there. Surprised. No, it's <laughs> I never watched that movie, so I can't Me really either. say if it was good or bad. But it's just surprising because we know him for these psychological thrillers. Yeah, is a new term that you put me on that I didn't know. Now oh, social thrillers. Oh, social thrillers. Okay. Yes. So he did Keanu, and then right after that, he came and hit us with that fucking haymaker of Get Out. Then in 2019, he gave us Us, and he's actually one of the more re- like more recently, he's one of the creators with Misha Green of Lovecraft Country. So he's just putting out consistent work these days. And of course, he is the first Black writer to win an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay yep. for Get Out. Um, but you were talking about social thrillers. Um, mm-hmm. He actually, for the Brooklyn Academy of Music, they did like a film series. He did The Art of the Social Thriller. He listed 12 films that basically inspired Get Out. Um, and I thought they were really interesting films. So I'm going to name all 12. And y'all are going to sit here and listen to it. Um, <laughs> Rosemary's Baby, Night of the Living Dead, The Shining, Candyman, The People Under the Stairs, Scream, Silence of the Lambs, Funny Games, Misery, um, rear window, the burbs, and guess who's coming to dinner? 
those were the one the films he said that inspired him to make it out um all those are actually pretty good horror movies i've probably only seen one of those movies because <laughs> i feel like i feel I'm like wimp. <laughs> the shining is overrated funny games is a great movie it's really like disturbing and kind of fucked up, but if you're into that type of shit, Funny Games, Silence of the Lambs is a great movie. Candyman was great. Night of the Living Dead, the original. I remember watching it at my grandma's house. That shit was in black and white, but it was really good. And I think that was the first time, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Like I seen a black guy as like a lead and Rosemary's Baby is good. If you can sit through like a fucking, basically it's like the length of a Lord of the Rings movie. <laughs> Jordan Peele is also my, one of my favorite people because of like how interested he is in supporting Black narratives. Mm -hmm. um, he was talking about his own films and he was basically saying he's not going to cast white people as leads in his films because he says he's already seen that movie. Like he's not interested in casting white leads. So Hell he yeah. is, yeah, I know, More right? power to the people. Exactly. So it sounds like he's going to continue to give us these like really great Black movies and these really great Black narratives. On his own work, he said that... Um, he makes fun of a lot of black people. I didn't know this. I was telling me the other day, she apparently already knew that he is biracial. He has a white mom and a black dad. Shout out to, you know, being mixed with other stuff. So he said that he makes fun of all types of black people because he was saying, um, what we've basically been saying on the pod is that black people aren't a monolith and he understands that. So he wants to make sure he, he breaks down all aspects of black people. And I thought it was really interesting he explained what the sunken place was to him and it's basically being marginalized in any way i thought the sunken place is where you go when you've been dipping in too much white ch chocolate and you lose yourself and the culture yeah. and all that other stuff not woke i think exactly. most of us thought of the sunken place as when you lose your black card and yeah uh... <laughs> but i think i think it's interesting what jordan is saying is that they like it almost sounds like he's He's trying to avoid being a gatekeeper of any kind. So I think we interpreted it pretty much a, a completely different way than he meant it as the sunken place being like whatever type of black you are, being black at all or being marginalized at all, you're going to be silenced in a system. It's basically his, his, his understanding or his conceptualization of systemic oppression. I thought that shit was profound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it all goes hand in hand at the end of the day. Like if you are not tapped into who you are as mm -hmm. one a human being as a man female whatever you identify as but also as um you know a race as you're not tapped into your culture right then your history you are in a sense losing or have lost a part of yourself and that's kind of like the sunken place yeah and sometimes people will try to make you like don't try to push you into that place by acting like you know you're not part of the culture. Like we'll talk about gatekeepers another day, but yeah, Jordan Peele, man, one of, he's going to be one of the greatest probably before he, he finishes his run. Oh yeah. He's, he's I feel already. like he's already classified as one of the greatest. So yeah. You know, um, among critics and viewers, get out was actually like an immediate classic. That was one it time where hundred on yeah, rotten tomatoes, everybody was unanimous. Like this shit is genius. This is a different type of, like I said, like you said, he created his own genre of social thrillers, which I thought was really dope. And what was so interesting. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about horror noir, a history of black horror, which is an amazing documentary. And Super I good. found it, I'm just going to hop into it real quick because Super. I found it so interesting. Um, one of the parts one of the scholars was talking about Get Out and talking about how in the movie Get Out that white people were now um, showing empathy to black characters that were 
the victims in these horror movies and also the heroes in these horror movies. Um, and she was like, this is one of the first times I ever experienced that, that white people were giving us empathy in the same ways that black people have been giving mm-hmm. horror actors and victims for so many years empathy and like hoping that they'll come out on the end and survive this horrific like night of terror. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I don't know if you got the chance to go see it with like other black people, but watching that movie in a theater with other black people was such a great viewing experience. I remember like when it was when they got pulled over by the cops and I was so fucking scared for him when she was like, there was this moment where I felt like it's an affective experience amongst black people and affective is dealing with your emotions. It's not something that's necessarily tangible or something that you can prove. So it was an affective experience amongst the black people in the room. When she started mouthing off to that officer about his like, oh, he doesn't need to show you his ID. I was like, bitch, if you don't shut up, be quiet. You can't say that. Right, you don't You are going to get him shot. Here. He's going to get pulled at all. And I was like, I was so scared for him because I was like, only a white woman would think that this is like, it's her privilege to recognize this is a safe space for her. But I was like, this could turn on him at any moment. And I mm-hmm. feel like that was one of those experiences where like, if you got to see it with other black people, It's like a nice shared experience, a nice shared Black movie going experience, because you understand certain things that the white audience isn't going to get. Yes, for sure. So getting into Black Noir, this was something that you suggested. Um, It is also free on Shudder. Shudder, give us a paycheck or something. Right. Um, (laughs) But you can watch it for free. It's so amazing. And I'm a very big documentary person. I love just like being able to sit and watch something and learn. And this to me just had so many bullet points. Like I was trying to take notes and there was just so much information, especially because they started from what you can consider the black, the first black horror movie for black Americans being The Birth of a Nation. Oh, that movie's so disgusting. Uh, It's so disgusting. And unfortunately it is the the blueprint Mm -hmm. of America, um, unfortunately. It definitely is in a sense of like how the whole story was basically how the Klan was this heroic group of people and a black man rapes a white woman and, you know, the Klan saved the day. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) this shit could only happen at the time that it came out because it's absurd. But they depict white black men and this carries on today and this was, you know, this was a predisposition of being classified this way in slavery. But, um, they classify them as like savages and they're oversexed and, mm-hmm. you know, violent. And, and then they're just monsters, basically. So it's so interesting the way Birth of a Nation used us as the monster in that movie. And it was based on nothing but the fact that the guy was Black. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in the rape, but of course, you know, they set it up in a way that would demonize Black men. And that shit has carried on, man, for years and years. Yeah. It has defined race relations to this day in America and throughout the world. They transitioned from that into talking about the first Black filmmakers in America, which, you know, some of the greats and probably the one of the first um, d- Black directors is Oscar Meshoy. Um, they also mentioned, mentioned Spencer Williams. But getting back to Oscar Meshoy, I, um, I did a video on him you guys should check it out on the real effect TV. <laughs> but I did a video on him about, you know, four black activists that you should know. And he is literally the first black film director where he created over, I think it was over like 40 or 50 films all dealing with, you know, 
being movies of race films, which mm -hmm. were primarily movies made for Black audiences mm -hmm. back then. Um, you know, he did silent films. He did all types of movies. But the thing that was so amazing about him is that he was telling primarily Black stories in the, what, 1930s and 40s. And he wasn't bashful about anything. He was talking about abortion. He was talking about job discrimination. He was talking about, um, you know, racism, all these different layered things that we hadn't been able to see as Black people in cinema, in black and white or in color. Um, so he, just seeing that they mentioned him was just a beautiful thing. Um, they also mentioned Spencer Williams, who was another Black man that created a lot of uh, films in that time, race films as well. I don't know much about him. He was primarily an actor. You might know him more from his acting, but he also did a lot of films behind the scenes. Um, so this documentary was just so beautiful to me because it really broke down our history in film, but from the horror perspective. They, they talked about a lot of different shit in that doc. They talked about um, like the token, we talked about tropes, of course, mm -hmm. but they talked about like the tokenism in, in black horror or in horror movies in general and how black people were portrayed. Um, and I like that you had mentioned like the scared dummy, the servant. Um, mm -hmm. They have a couple of different categorizations, uh, the, vo the voodoo priestesses, and there's just all these different ways that we were categorized and how we were used in film that was not necessarily to our benefit at all, um, and probably still contributes to a lot of the stereotypes we're talking about today. Um, especially when you talk about like ritualistic, like magic and things like that, and mm -hmm. crystals, and they've turned it into like, you're, you're doing voodoo and it's all black magic and it's somehow related to demonic, you know, relations and mm -hmm. relations with the devil. It's just... Even down to, it wasn't just black people, it was, you know, mm -hmm. of course the Native Americans, which Definitely. you are, you know, you are actually Native American. No, not Cherokee bitches. She is Lumbee. I thought it was just interesting that within horror, it was also like, I don't think I ever really paid attention to this, but they were talking about how the evil was perceived to be like the the Indian person or Indian tribe and these white people just so happened to land on this like Indian site or burial ground and now the evil is coming from the ground and their spirits are rising. And it was always depicted as like Indians or black people were always the issue. We were always the ones bringing the evilness instead mm -hmm. of white people disrupting our peace. <laughs> yeah yeah and bringing their evilness to us yeah but what's 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 worse is how evil white people actually were like they were the ones doing weird experiments and all kinds of fucked up shit you can lightly talk about scientific experimentation because i think it's important to note within the documentary that was in there of how the horrors transitioned from the focus of like black actors being the scared dummy yeah or like uh the servant into more of like in the 50s becoming more focused on like sci-fi type horrors and yeah. within that instead of us being humans we started becoming like the aliens or the gorillas or the frankensteins like we were supernatural now yeah, in these horror movies you know you you watch that stuff and sometimes I, when i watch like you know the older black horror movies and some of the older you know, black exploitation and things like that. It's it's almost judgmental, and I'll admit that. I do kind of wonder, like, like why did y'all accept certain roles? Like, why why did y'all want to do these things? 
Um, and because some, at some point it switched from white people in blackface to actual black actors doing these things and portraying us in a certain way. And, you know, that gets off the topic of horror. But I think Loretta Devine said it perfectly when she was talking about like, you know, tokenism. And she said that it was her getting put, like it was her accepting the opportunities that were available. Mm-hmm. And when she put it that way, because she was, you know, I was actually talking about that movie in one of the other episodes about um, Urban Legend, mm-hmm. where she was on the college campus and all white people were killing each other. But, you know, she talked about that. And the way she said that, I was kind of thinking, okay, well, they're doing the best with what they have. Um, and she said that, like, most people looked at it as a good thing when they were getting roles, because any representation was better than no representation. But I'm wondering, like, if I get, I, I wonder if they still feel that way, like, to this day. Like, do you still feel like any representation is better than no representation or is some representation actually bad for us? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I don't think there's a straight answer to that. I know within the documentary, some of the actors were saying that they were, they were happy to have done that role. And to this day, they're happy because they feel like they did a good job. And I respect that because at the end of the day, it's a job. Um, and I read a quote recently from Hattie Mc, um Hattie McDaniels, and mm-hmm. she was talking about how she was criticized for winning the Oscar for being, you know, a servant, a maid. And mm-hmm. she was just like, I'd rather be a servant in a movie and make $700 than have to do it in real life and make, what, $7 or whatever a day. That's um, real shit. And I was like, I respect that. Like, claps to you because yeah. I, I think sometimes we can do that as Black people. We will judge each other and side eye Mm -hmm. each other based off of opportunities not understanding people's personal experiences or why they're doing this and if she hadn't have done that of course somebody else probably would have done it but Mm -hmm. would they have won would they have opened up a lane to show you know how graceful and how powerful she was and have opened up an opportunity for other actors to be on screen as well so i mean it's a double-edged sword to me but I think it's a valid question for sure. So basically what we're saying here is go watch Horror Noir. If you can, it's a really good depiction of Black people in horror films um, throughout history. Wait, sorry, were we done? I wanted to talk about it a little more. <laughs> oh, go ahead. So we were just talking about the sci-fi horror. Oh, we were talking about Black exploitation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't realize when until I watched this documentary, I know the black exploitation era and a lot of the times we just see the pimps, the hoes, the drugs, the, you know, the fights, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize there was a whole horror parts of black exploitation, yes. like Blackula yes. and Scream, Blackula Scream. <laughs> yeah, Blackula was, uh, what, was that, was that the world's first horror, horror movie? That, yeah. They defined it as being it, the world's black, first black yeah. horror film defined by society. Nice. I feel bad because I have not seen Blackula. I have not seen Blackula Scream. I feel bad though because I feel like after watching that, I've been meaning to. I just haven't gone around I'm to it. Told, yeah, I'm totally gonna watch it now. But yeah, there are but, so many movies we haven't seen, but it, are classics to our parents. I'm imagining it can't be any, much different than fucking um, a Vampire in Brooklyn because I love that movie with Eddie I Murphy. I do love a Vampire in Brooklyn. <laughs> Like, when I think of Blackula, I'm think like, for the longest, I'm thinking they're talking about Eddie Murphy and Vampire in Brooklyn, but <laughs> that is not it. what people have been talking about <laughs> when he had the little, the little slick back hair and shit. Oh, that hair was awful. Ah, uh, man. I don't Tell know me why. I was watching that a few months ago, actually. It came on TV. And I, I was like, how is his wig better than Dude, the wigs yo, on Tyler Perry's? It 
Yo, <laughs> yo, nineties. It, it, but it looks so good. I, that lace long, front I thought that was, was hair. And and that was what? Well, who was the the girl star beside? Was that Angela Bassett? Yeah, Angela Bassett. Look, see, look at that all star cast and shit. That that is the black yellow that I know. Chris and Rock didn't he, didn't he have it. Didn't he have like a whole accent and shit, Eddie Murphy? Yeah, he had contacts in. Like yeah. it, was it was a wild vibe. man. It was. <laughs> I fuck with that movie, man. You were talking about vampire classics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I was watching, of course, this documentary, and mm-hmm. they were talking about Ganja and Hess, which is considered to be, you know, around that. Uh, it's considered to be a black exploitation movie, mm-hmm. but it wasn't well received because it was so. It it was basically a great movie with, with a great script, and it actually had. They were actually talking about something black people were seen as high class Mm -hmm. um it's basically this movie about this wealthy man i forgot if he's a doctor um and he is a vampire and he falls in love with this woman and um i think he turns her into a vampire and they're Mm -hmm. like living together as vampires and it really reminded me of uh spike lee's the sweet blood of jesus which uh i saw a really long time ago but i feel like this movie was inspired by ganja and hess um, because the plot line is legit the same. I haven't seen Ganja and Hess, but just them describing it, I was like, oh yeah, yeah that's the sweet blood of Jesus. And for me, this is one of Spike Lee's more peculiar movies. It goes to me, it goes along along <laughs> I, the lines I've never of seen that. Sweet blood of Jesus, actually. What's that movie that Spike Lee directed where at the end the guy happened to have had sex with his daughter? Do you not know that movie? He was like kidnapped. Are for you talking about old boy? Yeah, I think it was old boy, and it was like Yo, it was yeah, so spoiler alert, disturbing. Man. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert, spoiler My alert. Bad. <laughs> because old boy, like old boy, is a movie. Have you seen the like the uh, what he didn't he didn't direct the original, right? Because the original was actually um, no, I don't think so. The original was movie, an Asian film. It was South just, Korean. It was just so it kind of just made me like uncomfortable, and it was like so peculiar, and like, and it was like it moved slow. It was. I think it's a movie worth watching. Um, old I, boy, or no? I'm well. I'm talking about both, but oh, okay. I was talking more primarily about the sweet blood of Jesus. I think it's a yeah. movie worth watching, but just know that I don't feel like it has the spikely essence that we're used to. Just know that coming in. No, that's an interesting. That's an interesting perspective because I do know Spike Lee to have a box, and now I'm actually more interested in that movie because it sounds like he stepped out of it. Um, but when you were talking, I was thinking about like black exploitation, and if we're talking about like discomfort, I th- I don't think any any movie besides maybe kids has made me as uncomfortable as the first five minutes of Sweet Sweetback's <laughs> fucking badass song. Badass. Like the first five minutes of that movie is probably the most uncomfortable scene. Spoiler alert. Well, I'm not gonna spoil it, but it is really, really uncomfortable. I won't tell you what happens. You have to go just go watch it. It's apparently a historical movie as well. It's considered but, the first black exploitation movie. Yeah, but but the shit is definitely exploitation, <laughs> if not a little aggressively like, you know, disturbing. Yeah, if we're talking about black exploitation and shit being just uncomfortable, sweet Subex song. In a, badass in a horror, song. In a yeah. horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just that whole era or whatever was just an interesting time period for Black film because I don't I don't really know what the hell people were trying to say with Black exploitation. I don't really I don't really get the the message behind it, but it I don't worked. Think, I think Black, from my like perspective looking yeah. in and a little bit of research I've done, I feel like Black exploitation started off 
from Black people just trying to experiment and, and mm-hmm. share their stories. But I think it turned into an industry where white people found that they could easily produce these Black stories with smaller budgets and have mm-hmm. a really great gain. And they didn't give a fuck about what the storyline was about. These were just like their simple perspe- perspectives of what Black people were doing. And unfortunately, like, that was kind of all we had. And like, it's another yeah. situation of like, should we have been doing these roles? Like, well, that's all we had, man. Yeah, and I think, like you said, those Hollywood execs found that there was a market for Black films and they found a way to put out Black films without necessarily taking anything away from the image the society had of us. Because all Black exploitation did was kind of perpetuate some of those stereotypes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we're getting off topic or whatever from horror, but you know, definitely if you guys don't know the black exploitation like film genre, you should definitely know it. It's a big part of history. And it, like Mia was talking about earlier, like it informs some of the ways we view race and how black people view, I mean, how people outside of black culture view us today. And I mean, that actually kind of goes into the next era of horror films, which was the 90s. And mm-hmm. I think. Some of us may remember the movie Bones with a with legendary Bones. Uncle Snoop. Now that man's <laughs> hair is laid. In Bones, that was the first time I was like, I wish my mom could do my hair the way Snoop Dogg's looks in this movie. <laughs> and so, she could not. It's, like, it's so shiny and uh, slick and long. <laughs> what products has he been using this whole time? Because his hair is always laid. It was. Um, but, okay, we got... We, <laughs> We're getting off topic. (laughs) But okay, going back to the 90s, Bones, I actually, I think when the 90s ushered in and you started talking about horror, I I can't think of a better example of possibly the first, what do we say, social thriller besides Mm -hmm. Tales from the Hood. Yeah. Like that shit came out. And I remember the first time I watched it, it was still very scary, but it was talking about shit that I hadn't seen talked about before. Mm-hmm. like it was talking about domestic violence um gun gang violence all that shit yeah um, and it was it was primarily targeted to black people like you knew yeah. this was for us and it's interesting you said this last night because actually you guys <laughs> there there's a tales from the hood you two. may not know this dos yes <laughs> there are it's two on, of them <laughs> i had no Netflix. idea and we watched that shit yes what was it yesterday the night before yeah <laughs> and, shit was um, wild. it was it was just as wild as the original tales from the hood like i mm-hmm. i definitely the first story and the story of the vampires were my favorite oh i love the vampire one the vampire one's so one. good you guys check that check it out and this the gollies if y'all don't well whole other topic again but it introduced me to the term golly and i feel so bad because i feel like this is something i should know about from black history but it one of the stories was using a like a possessed gollywog and i learned that those were apparently like anti-racist caricature dolls that were based on like minstrel shows like it was a little really coal black doll red lips basically like a black face Mm -hmm. um kinky hair and a little like outfit or whatever but I, I didn't know that term, so I was actually glad that we watched it because I got lost in a, a fucking wormhole of information based on that one story, trying to figure out what that was and why white people were obsessed with them because apparently even today, some of them from that time period, the first half of the 19th century, the only thing that was outselling gollywogs was teddy bears. 
And I, I was like, this chick is like obsessed with buying this, like they're in this museum or whatever. And she's obsessed with trying to get this doll, which ends up being possessed. I was like, why is she thinking like in 2020 that this is a fond memory? Like, why are you thinking that this is something that you should be like excited to get? It felt really sick. And, but knowing the back, the backstory, it's yeah. still sick, but it's also like, wow. Like it was like redemption. That, yeah. But it's like the fact that a teddy bear and yeah. a caricature of a black man are the most wanted toys. Yeah. There was little white kids cuddle up with gollywog dolls in their beds smiling and these were selling like hotcakes and apparently they were collecting them and all like if you guys do watch tales from the hood too this is the background for that first story which is fucking nuts but it was almost redemption in how you know it turned on them and attacked them in that story because i had no idea where the hell they were going with it because it has like mm -hmm. the token black girl who's clearly out of touch she's sunken <laughs> super sunken when y'all watch that i want you to understand how sunken this girl is but yeah tales from the hood man the, the one from the 90s might be it reminded me for some reason of lupe fiasco's the cool but i can't remember why but it, it I, that might be in my mind the first social thriller way before get out way before anything that might have come out um in the horror genre i think tales from the hood is that first one mm. And um, also there's Tales from the Crypt. I'm not going to lie. I don't remember much of Tales from the Crypt. Just that um, creepy ass dog. <laughs> just right? laughing and shit. And I just remember my parents watching it and then I would have to leave the room. But <laughs> This going to sound wild, but I remember there being a lot of sex in Tales from the Crypt. I just don't remember why I remember that. Was Tales from the Crypt like a dirty HBO show? Girl, you asking the wrong one. I meant to look back into it, but I didn't have time. We're clearly unprepared. <laughs> we what are, can you do, man? We, we've been pretty thorough, but we can't hit everything. Looking. You're right. When 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 y'all hit up the Patreon and we start getting these ads, then you know we'll we'll up the the knowledge for you. Right. We giving free game <laughs> for free. <laughs> I like that you included in here about the final girl. I thought that was a really oh, yes. interesting thing. I was just about to say that the documentary talks about the final girl, and I didn't really know it had a name, but I thought that was a really you know cool name. And throughout horror history or whatever. Black people don't really get a final girl because we typically die. You included a really cool um, fucking stat in here um, about those 50 horror films. Black, girls, black girl nerds did a survey of 50 horror films that starred black people. And only 10% of them had black characters that died in the first film, but a great deal of those characters died at some point in like the franchise. Like if there's a movie with multiple, like if it has sequels, they were likely to die like some at some point during the franchise franchise. So yeah, it's interesting that they gave the term final girl for um the basically the girl that outlasts everybody else during the horror film. She's the last one standing. That is the final girl. And we didn't get one until Jada Pinkett in Demon Knight, the Tales from the Crypt movie. And you know, that was like we're, we're still constantly breaking these like racial barriers and you know breaking these records for things so she was the first final girl in a horror movie from tales for, them, for tales from the crypt the so go jada pinkett and she would be the first final girl perfect perfect jada and actually it's interesting now that i'm thinking about it she because sometimes I forget that Jada was really an actress. Yes, I do too. <laughs> like Jada pops up with this long ass filmography and I'm just like, Jada, what, when were you in that? Oh, she was in we this, were, she was in we this, she like, was in this. We were all like three, 
and five yeah. and six and seven. So we don't remember. But now that I'm thinking about it, she really loves sci-fi and mm-hmm. also like horror. I feel like because she's been in a lot of that. And you know she was in a rock band. Oh yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. You want to talk about black girls not being a monolith? Jada Pinkett is she's into some shit, man. All right, so yeah, so not gonna lie. Um, the documentary was amazing. It did talk about 21st century horror. A lot of it, they talked about a little bit with uh, hip hop horror. So basically adding a Z to everything, like <laughs> witches with a Z and wolves. And so that kind of became the era of like, when DVDs just started popping and everybody mm. could basically put movies on vinyl, or not vinyl, but everybody could put movies on a DVD. Um, but we are going to talk about our top five horror movies. And um, Trish is a horror lover. I, oh, I am, love it so much. I am more of a spookster. <laughs> not gonna lie. <laughs> I do not like horror movies. But since doing the research for this episode, I started realizing that, oh, I actually do like horror. There's just a specific type of horror I can sit and watch. And Facts. for me, we did figure that out. <laughs> yeah, for me, I enjoy more of like the sci-fi horror, like the vampires and monsters, or even psychological horrors, like because I enjoy a good psychological thriller, but I cannot do anything with like spirits and ghosts. But I, I got y'all. I don't I got fuck y'all on all that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, well, I guess that's a good question is like, I mean, I think you pretty much explained like what makes a good horror movie to you. So I'm explain what makes a good horror movie to me. So for me, I think a good horror movie, I, I watch them to be scared. And I will tell you right now, I'm terrified of the dark. I don't sleep in complete darkness. I sleep with like a TV this, or nightlight on. This is true. No, it's, it's, I, but I love doing shit that I'm afraid of. I, I'm scared of heights, love flying in planes, love riding roller coasters. Just so happens I'm terrified of the dark, love watching horror movies. And nothing makes me happier than when it's raining outside. So it's technically dark during the day and I can get away with watching a horror movie, but still feeling like I'm in the dark. <laughs> so I like all that shit. I like jump scares. I like demonic possessions, zombies, fucking and don't let it be a horror movie with like riddles involved where you got to figure out some shit in history like some archaeological horror or some shit like that i'm really into that (laughs) psychological thrillers i told you funny people or funny games is a wild fucking movie if you guys ever get the chance to watch funny games definitely watch it it's gonna be awkward to watch especially if you're not used to like white people horror movies but definitely check it out um so yeah i got you guys on all that other stuff so why don't why don't you go ahead and drop us and tell us what your all-time favorite horror movie is all-time favorite um so i've been struggling with that right now i have my top five favorite i'm gonna put as above so below before get out but that might be more sentimental than actually a logical decision like i might know get out is a better movie but i might be holding on to like how much i enjoyed the viewing experience of as above so below so I'll just give you my top five, and then we can break them down. Um, my top five in this order are going to be As Above, So Below, Get Out, Saw, Cabin in the Woods, and The Conjuring. It's a spooky list. I probably, I've only seen Saw. Like, I actually do enjoy Saw, and so I don't know how many of them I saw before I stopped. I think I stopped at, like, six. But that is like the intense, like psychological horror that I can do to, even though like it's almost to the point where I can't do it anymore. 
Well, the funny thing about Saw is like, I, I haven't watched some of the newer ones. The first two I watched, James Wan, because of Saw actually, was one of my favorite um, writer-directors. He did The Conjuring, Insidious, Dead Silence. And fun fact, he actually built the Jigsaw doll that's in the movie. That so James so scary. He built I'm talking about he built so it from creepy. scratch. They didn't go buy a doll for that. Like he built that shit from scratch. That shit is so creepy. So for you those of you for those of you that don't know, Saw is it came out in 2004. It's a movie. I won't give any spoilers, but basically two guys wake up in a bathroom and there's a dead guy in the center of the floor and they realize they're part of a game where they have to escape the room in order to survive. One of them has to get free of his chains. One of them has to get out the room, blah, blah, blah. So like a bunch your worst of- fear, your worst it, fear. They're chained up. They have no idea why they're there. They have no information except for a tape. And it's like, do you want to play a game? <laughs> and then we get introduced to the Jigsaw. So the Saw franchise is built on this. Um, I actually learned a really interesting term of, it's called depraved heart or indifference murder which is basically a type of murder where you don't actually kill someone, but you put them in a situation where their death is likely and you can be charged with murder that way. It's almost like indirect murder. I had no idea that was like actually something you could be charged with, but basically that's the kind of killer that Jigsaw is. And I love riddles. I love some, some competition killings. I love anything where it's like, have <laughs> never have I ever, or like the like that circle. It's like there's a horror movie, the circle. There's a couple of them where, you know, there's an end goal and you have to win, like you have to beat something to stay alive. I love a competition like fucking horror movie. <laughs> so Saw becomes that. Um, so yeah, I really fuck with it, man. It, it was the first movie. I remember the first time I watched Saw and I remember once it turned off, I was so completely mind fucked that I couldn't stop thinking about that movie for like a week. Agreed. Like it, it was so fucked up that movie. Saw is one of those movies where you actually kind of remember the first time you saw it. Yep. Because for a while I had a boyfriend and we legit, like we would have to go see Saw together. Like yeah. it was like one through three, we had to go see together. And even we broke up and we still went and saw like Saw 3 <laughs> together. It was like our thing to do. My ex was a, the, the good thing about my ex was that you know my ex but the good thing about him was that he really loved horror movies well we liked going to the movies in general but he loved watching horror movies so it was always dope that we can go watch shit like that together you want to go ahead and give him your top five i i don't know what my favorite is i'll probably say my top are the adams family <laughs> go for it man and i legit like anytime this movie comes on i'll watch it like i just really enjoy the adams family i love it's a good movie yeah, I love the main character. Like, I'm down for anything vampires and witches. Like, I can relate thing. a lot to Wednesday. She's like an entire mood for, if you're introverted, I you're probably Wednesday. a lot like Wednesday. I love how she don't play any games and she'll still like spook you and stuff. And like, she's she just fuck around, not, man. Yeah, she's just not bothered. And that's how I'll be wanting to be. Um, I even tried to watch the new Adams Family animation. <laughs> yeah, I had, I didn't have an interest in that one, but. Uh, I just wanted to see if it was like similar because I also do enjoy animated movies, but mm -hmm. it just wasn't hitting it for me. But so yeah, The Adams Family is definitely a top. Practical Magic, I love that movie. That would go hand in hand with like Hocus Pocus. Like Practical Magic is actually a really good movie. So I good, really and love I love movie. Sandra Bullock. I could watch her. Like I'll always watch Sandra Bullock. Same. I'll be fucking eighty years old still watching Sandra Bullock. Wasn't it Sandra Bullock and who was it? Nicole Kidman. Who was her sister? 
Was yeah, it Nicole, Nicole Kidman? Kidman. Yeah. What a great cast. Yeah. And um, okay, so next we're getting into um Queen of the Damned is up there, but I feel like I would low-key want to switch that out with Vampire in Brooklyn. Um mm-hmm. just because 90s movies just has like it had such a vibe. Like n- Vampire in Brooklyn had the same style and feel as like fucking booty call. You know what I'm saying? Like they all yeah. have like a certain feel to them. And I'm like, I'm with it. I'm 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 cool okay. with that. As we're thinking about, sorry to interrupt, as we're thinking about Black vampire movies, would you pick Queen of the Damned, Blade, Vampire in Brooklyn? <gasps> Blade! Oh my god, how right. did I forget about Wesley Blade? motherfucking One, Snipes, two, man. And three. Fucking Wesley Snipes' body Blade. Oh my, my dad, gosh. I swear my dad thought he was Blade for a while. <laughs> but when Wesley Snipes came out and he was out here killing vampires and all this shit, man, that was a good ass movie. I think oh, we went to see Blade good in theaters, if I rem- or we might have rented it from Blockbuster. I don't remember. Y'all remember Blockbuster, man? I love Blockbuster. A, that was such a fun experience. Like going to go rent a movie from Blockbuster was amazing. Every weekend. and you might get snacks, right? Yeah, you got returning on time. Oh, I right. love the snacks. Oh, I love the snacks. They're my favorite That's, part. And then Redbox hit us, and you then know, Netflix hit us. <laughs> yeah, now we just be at home with no snacks. Well, I'd be having snacks. I'm not gonna lie to you, because I'm definitely the type of person that likes movie theaters close by to restaurants and shit. So I can but sneak. Like, there's a certain the like. It's, it's cool to be able to go into a store yeah. and like look and like talk to. It's an like, experience. The, it's an experience that our kids will never know. You can rent video <laughs> games. Whatever. Oh, We're gonna yeah, go talk about video games. <laughs> hitting. Okay, sorry, we sidetracked. All right. Yeah, I'll be so, right. Next on the list is um, Gothica. That, I, I liked Gothica. I really like Gothica. And I know I said I don't fuck with spirits, but for some reason I could tolerate that. Maybe because it was Halle Berry, but I enjoyed that one. Um, and then The Invisible Man is definitely one of my new favorites. Yo, um, you watched the new one? You're talking about the new one, right? Yeah, I'm talking about the new one. Because the original one had Kevin Bacon in it. But I actually enjoyed the new one more than I enjoyed the old one. I'm probably going to... That's probably a controversial opinion. I haven't seen the old one, but the new one... Yeah, it, it really got good. me. It was good. And I love the lead actress. I forget her name. Um, she's in The Handmaid's Tale. I she's wish I knew her name. Everything. Like, everything I've she been is. starting to love lately, she's been in it. And I'm like, she's, okay. She's also Peggy from Mad Men, if you guys talk with Mad Men. We'll get to that eventually, but fuck with Mad Men. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, The Invisible Man. I will tell you what I don't fuck with. The movies that turned me off from horror were oh. definitely The Skeleton Key. I was I like, oh, hell key. no. That was actually a really good movie. But the fact that they were like, once you believe, you can never go back. And okay. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to believe. I don't want to believe. So <laughs> I think I think what, I think the classics are what brought me into the horror genre. And we're going to talk about the, we'll, we'll run through some of the classics a little bit. So like when we're talking about like classic horror movies, we are not just talking about like black horror movies either. We're talking about like the classics. We're talking about Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Exorcist, um mm-hmm. um friday the 13th scream all that shit so those are the ones that Candyman, all that shit brought me into horror and i come from a family of like horror lovers like we love that shit so the only thing we couldn't it's funny the only thing we couldn't watch in my house growing up i had to wait till later was the exorcist because my mom was of the belief that if you watch horror movies about like spirit stuff the spirits will enter your house through like the tv exactly that's how i'm feeling <laughs> <laughs> no, she she said y'all could, she because she said she watched it and fucked her up so she was like y'all can watch the exorcist if you want first of all 
first of all, my parents should have done a better job monitoring what we were watching as kids because we were watching this shit when it came out. So we couldn't have been like more than seven or eight. And we might have been younger in certain cases when we were watching fucking Child's Play. First of all, the only Exorcist movie I've seen is The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And I saw that in a movie theater and I was like, oh, hell no. Like after that, I have not seen an Exorcism movie ever. I'm I think me and my ex went to see that too. Or maybe I didn't. I don't know. Exorcism Emily Rose, I remember being one of the better recent exorcist movies or like exorcism movies. I, I like exorcism movies, but after a certain point, it's not as scary as they used to be. That's why, well, that actually brings me, <laughs> look at that full circle conversation. Um, the Conjuring as one of my favorite fucking horror movies. I thought that movie did possession so well. It was ridiculous. That's where we got introduced to like, if y'all don't know, The Conjuring was basically the movie that introduced us to Annabelle, the doll, because everybody seemed to like that more than they appreciated like the actual movie. But that creepy ass doll that got all those terrible spinoff movies because the Annabelle movies are <laughs> trash. But basically we get, it was um, the Warrens and they were like spirit, like paranormal investigators, whatever. They had that entire museum about like different possessed shit. But The Conjuring is a really good, if you're talking about like more recent um possession movies if y'all fuck with them if y'all are allowed to watch them in your house um definitely check out the conjuring because i feel like that was one of the ones i watched and i walked away scared like when i watched that movie and yeah. it's not easily done too. I'm, I'm getting the chills just talking about this shit like oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> the lights are on i'm in the other room um well let me go ahead and get the spiritual shit out the way then let's talk about as above so below I was telling Mia the other day, if y'all did your summer reading, if you were in AP English classes, or if you weren't in AP, AP English classes and you'd read the honor, like they did the honors class, classes or whatever, the summer reading list probably had the Divine Comedy on there somewhere in Dante's Inferno. If you know Dante's Inferno, then you'll really like As Above, So Below because it's kind of based on the seven layers of hell, or the nine, I'm sorry, the nine layers of hell that is outlined in Dante's Inferno. And there's a lot of parallels because it's this group of white people. <laughs> Don't know if I needed to say that. But they're uh, a young um, archaeologist and she's exploring the catacombs of Paris in search of the Philosopher's Stone. If you don't know what the Philosopher's Stone is, it's basically an alchemy stone that's capable of like, like literal rejuvenation of like injuries and shit. And it can also turn metals into like gold. So she's looking for this stone for obvious reasons. And they're, they actually did use, they actually did film that movie in the catacombs of Paris. But basically there's different parallels because there's actually nine like layers. They have to go deeper and deeper into the catacombs or whatever. And you realize like they're going into hell. And there's so many different things, like even the gate that they enter, it says, you know, abandon all hope, ye who enter here, which in Dante's Inferno was the entrance to the gates of hell. So I hope... I've, I've stimulated you enough that you go and check out Dante's Inferno or at least check out the movie and learn a little bit about that because it actually is a really good read. It's a really good watch too. And that shit is pretty scary, especially if you get like claustrophobic watching people filming in like small spaces. It adds to like the anxiety and I'm a person who gets like that. So I really enjoyed that movie to this day. Like I watched it literally like a few days ago. I watch it a couple times a year. Uh, you weirdo. I know, I know. <laughs> it's a good movie, man. It's a good movie. <laughs> but um. So we know we had a long conversation about horror tonight. We thank you guys for listening and tuning into it. Please let us know what some of your favorite horror movies are. I know we couldn't touch on everything. It's just too much. It's too much to talk about. But if there's something specific that you would love to hear us talk about, please let us know. Put it in the review section. 
put it under an IG post, whatever you want to do. And we didn't forget, we didn't forget about Lovecraft. We're going to be doing an entire episode on that one. Yeah, Lovecraft is definitely on our list for horror, but we can't break it down. If, yeah, in not right now. Time frame, yeah. If you want to stay tuned to uh, Shit Black Girls Watch, please follow us on TheRealEffect.tv. That is my Black entertainment news site that I produce uh, this podcast through. Also, I produce uh, video shows and I also give film resources for filmmakers that are trying to make it into the industry. So you could check out that website for more information. You can follow us on IG, either myself or Trish, and make sure you share this shit with a friend. You know what I'm Please. saying? <laughs> <laughs> we would love to hit maybe a hundred listeners by the time we post this. That would be dope. That show would be baller. We'd be big balling at a hundred. Look, man, you know, <laughs> I'm serious. We're starting off small, but we're going to end up big. You know what I'm saying? So that's an achievement, keep, man. Keep rocking with us. Let us know what you guys think. And until next time, love always. Peace out.